Bakersoft Story Classic, bringing to you recordings of old storybooks. In the Nest, Episode 3 Within five or six miles of Chillicothe, an approaching horseman was espied by our travelers, and as he drew near, Mrs. Nash and her two boys recognized him with a simultaneous cry of delight. Robert, father, father, to which he responded with a glad, Hooray! So there you are at last! as he put spurs to his horse and came dashing up to the side of the wagon containing his wife and children. There was a halt of several minutes while joyous greetings and eager questions and answers were exchanged. Then leaving Mr. Nash in charge of the slow-moving vehicles, Kenneth and Nellie rode on toward the town. It was the afternoon of a perfect day in May. Their path led them now through the depths of a forest where grew in abundance the sugar maple, black walnut, buckeye, hackberry, cherry, and other trees which give evidence of a rich soil. Now across a beautiful prairie covered with grass from four to five feet high and sprangled with loveliest wildflowers which with the blossoms of the plum, tree, mulberry, crabapple, and red and black haw, fringing the outer edge of the prairies, filled the air with delicious perfume, and feasted the eye with beauty. Nellie was in ecstasies. It is a paradise, Dr. Clendenin, is it not? she cried. An earthly one, he answered with his grave, kindly smile. May you find much happiness in it, little lady. And you too, doctor, she said, gaily, turning her bright, winsome face to his. I'm sure you ought. You think it's a duty to be happy? And you are right. A duty? I never thought of it in that light, she said, laughing lightly. Ah, are we not bidden to be content with such things as we have, and to be always rejoicing? They had become excellent friends, these two, as day after day they rode side by side in little in advance of the wagons. There was some ten years difference in their ages, a good deal seemingly at Nell's time of life. She looked up to Kenneth as to one much older and wiser than herself, and one by his ever-ready sympathy and interest, talked to him with the charming frankness of her confiding nature and extreme youth. She told the history of her past years, particularly the last five, which had been spent in a boarding school in Philadelphia, and about the brother she was going to, how he fought bravely for his country in the Continental Army, had been taken prisoner by the British, what he had suffered on one of those dreadful prison ships, till peace at last set him free, that he had married since and now had a family of children. He was very much older than herself, she explained, being the eldest born while she was the youngest, and as both parents had died while she was a mere infant, he was like a father to her. Kenneth seldom spoke of himself, but she sometimes led him on by her questions to talk of his home at Glen Forest, his mother and Marion, for both of whom he evidently cherished a deep and tender affection. Nell remarked that she had seen them at church once or twice, had thought Mrs. Clendenin very sweet and noble-looking, and Marianne the loveliest of little girls. 
You read them both aright, was Kenneth's answer, with a look and smile that made him, Nell thought, the handsomest man she had ever seen. If he were not quite so old, she said to herself, perhaps I don't know, but perhaps I might fall in love with him. It would be very foolish, though, for of course he could never care for such a silly young thing as I am. She had observed that he seemed a skillful physician and surgeon, and had discovered that he could tell her a vast deal about trees and plants and the birds and wild animals of the woods through which they passed. They had never met in Philadelphia, though living there at the same time, but it was pleasant to talk with him about the city and its various attractions. So they had not been at a loss for subjects of conversation, nor were they today. Silence fell between them for a few moments after Kenneth's last remark. Then Nell said with a saucy smile, So you, I suppose, are never sad, Dr. Clendenin? Alas, Miss Lamar, he answered with a faraway look in his eyes, an expression of keen anguish sweeping across his features, yet passing away so quickly that she could hardly feel sure it had been there. My theory and practice do not always agree. Well, she said she, I don't believe there is anybody in the world who is not sad at times. Yet we have a great deal to make us glad, and just now I feel as blithe as a bird. We are coming to a river. Yes, the Skyoto. Oh, then we must be near Chillicothe, are we not? Yes, here is the ferry, and yonder, on the farther side, lies the town. That. I see only a few log cabins scattered here and there in a dense forest. True, miss, that is just what it is, said the ferryman, pushing off, for they were already on board his flat boat. But you'll find more houses than you'd think, and the streets marked out quite straight and wide. And can you tell me in which Major Lamar lives? Nell asked eagerly. Certainly, miss. There are not so many of us that we don't all know each other's faces, and houses too. The Major lives on Walnut Street, but a step from where I shall land you. And yonder he comes, he added, as the boat touched the bank, and Romeo and Ferry bounded ashore. Another moment, and the girl was in her brother's arms, weeping for very joy, as if her heart would break, he soothing her with caresses and tender, loving words. There, there, Nell, darling, my sweet little sister, we're together at last, and don't mean to be parted again, ever again. Come, come, don't spoil your pretty eyes with crying. She brushed away her tears at that, raised her head, saying, Oh, Piercy, I'm so glad, so happy. How are Clara and the children? Then, without waiting for an answer, Oh, how forgetful I am, she cried, turning to Kenneth, who, with half-averted face and dewy eyes, was thinking of Marion, and could almost feel the clinging of her arms around his neck. Piercy, this is Dr. Clendenin, who has cared for me like a brother through all this long, tiresome journey. The two grasped each other's hands warmly, and the Major insisted on carrying Kenneth off with him to share the hospitality of his house. It was a pleasant home circle, into which he was presently introduced. Mrs. Lamar, a fair, graceful, bright-faced lady, still young, and three or four rosy, bright-eyed boys and girls. He received a, received a warm welcome, while Nellie was embraced, kissed, and rejoiced over to her heart's content a heart that went out in strong affection to her kindred and craved a full return. The evening meal was already prepared, the table set in the living room. Its snowy linen, delicate china, and shining silver would not have disgraced a much more lordly dwelling. And the 
viands which presently came in smoking from the kitchen, fresh fish, game, and hot cornbread might have tempted the appetite of an epicure, much more that of our travelers, who had fared but indifferently well for some days past. The Major's house was but a log cabin, the only kind of building in the settlement at that time, simply furnished and consisted of only three rooms beside kitchen and garret. Yet a great deal of comfort and enjoyment were to be found there, and Kenneth was not ill-pleased to be tendered the freedom of the house and accepted the offer with hearty thanks. "'We elect you our family physician, sir, if you will not decline the office,' said the Major, as they rose from the table, "'and as such you will, of course, consider yourself perfectly at home among us.' Kenneth was beginning to express his sense of his hostess' kindness when he was interrupted by a hasty summons the bedside of a sick woman at the other end of the village. Come now, and take a look at Chillicothe, the major said, leading the way to the grass plot in front of the house, where they seated themselves upon a log. There were many such lying about the streets, many trees and stumps of those which had been felled still standing. In fact, nearly the whole town was still a wilderness. Yet, though not a year old, it already contained, beside private dwellings, two taverns and several stores and shops of mechanics, but among them all there were but four shingled houses, and on one the shingles were fastened with pegs. The streets were very wide and straight, crossing at right angles, not all cleared yet, but marked out by blazing the trees of the thick wood in whose midst the There were many Indians in the vicinity. They had a town not far away, on the north fork of Paint Creek, and here in Chillicothe their wigwams were interspersed among the dwellings of the whites, as Nellie noticed with some uneasiness. But her brother reassured her. There is no danger, he said. They are perfectly friendly. A change from Philadelphia now, Clary marched, joining them with her knitting in her hand. Yes, but it is many weeks since I left there. Is it nice in Philadelphia, Aunt Nellie? asked Bess. The eldest of the children hanging affectionately about the young girl. Do tell us what it's like and about the pretty things in the shop windows. Another time, Bess, interposed the Major. Run away to your play now and let older people talk. Now you saw Washington more than once? Ah, yes, many times, and he asked for you, Piercy, in the kindest way, speaking in the highest terms of your services to the country. It is like him, the Major exclaimed with emotion. And this young doctor, Nell, pursued Claire with a meaning smile, what is he like? Just what he has shown himself tonight, the girl answered, blushing slightly, as she had a trick of doing, the rich blood showing readily through the clear, transparent skin. A handsome, polished, courteous gentleman, intelligent, and well-informed above the generality that is about all one could learn in so short an interview, said Claire, and Claire laughed low and musically. But you have had an opportunity to study his character pretty thoroughly. A thing I never thought of doing, returned Nell, which is some annoyance, but I can tell you that he is very patient and very kind. Anyone might well be that to you, Nell, remarked her brother, regarding her with a proud, affectionate smile. But it was not only to me, but to everybody, and to the very horses and dogs. He seems to be always thinking of others never of himself, and to have a kind look or word or smile for the humblest and meanest creature that crosses his path, and low and hesitatingly, I believe it's because he is a real, true Christian. 
I know it. One can read it in his face," said the major heartily, "and I am rejoiced, for such men are needed here." "There they are!" cried Nell, starting up. "See, the wagons are just crossing the ferry." The Nashes and Barbers had been old friends and neighbors of the Lamars before the immigration of the latter to Ohio, and the major and his wife now hurried to meet and welcome them. Nell and the children following. Kenneth, having bestowed all needed attention upon his patient, was hurrying toward the ferry also, as indeed was nearly every man and woman in the village, all alike rejoicing in every new ascension to their numbers, and eager for news from the older settlements. They were joyous greetings, hearty handshakings, and quite a crowd gathered around Kenneth, giving him welcome, expressing unfeigned satisfaction with the advent among them of a good physician. Why, holo! I recognize an old friend, Kenneth Clendenlin. I was never more surprised and delighted in my life, cried a familiar voice, and our hero's hand was warmly grasped in that of a former schoolmate, a young man of pleasing, open countenance and bluff, hearty manner. Is it you, Godfrey Dale? Kenneth exclaimed, shaking the hand cordially, his face lighting up with pleasure. Why, where did you come from? From Tiffin's Tavern over yonder, the sign of the General Anthony Wayne returned to Dale laughing. You are here as a settler? Yes, and as a land agent and lawyer. It's a fine country, Kenneth, and men of both your profession and mine are needed in it. Come, let me show you, you my quarters. You must share them for the present at all events. And linking his arm in that of his friend, he led the way, nearly all the men of the crowd following. The General Anthony Wayne was no spacious modern hotel, but like its neighbors, a log building with windows of greased paper, its accommodations of the plainest. A cheerful wood fire blazed in its wide chimney, but the evening was a warm one for the time of year, and the company preferred the outer air. They grouped themselves about the door, sitting on stumps and logs, or leaning against the trees, while Kenneth, the center of the throng, patiently answered questions and gave all the information in his power regarding matters of public interest both at home and abroad. The sun went down behind the hill, overlooking the valley on the west. The stars shone from a clear sky overhead, and lights twinkled here and there among the trees. Nell, standing in the doorway of her brother's house, asked what they were remarking. They are many more in number than the cabins. Yes, answered Claire. Do you not know that the Indians have a way of lighting up their wigwams with torches made of the splinters of birch and pine? I wish, murmured the girl, with a slight shudder, that they could be kept away miles away from the town. Thank you for listening to another episode of Acresoft Story Classic. <laughs>